They say small business is the backbone of America. So what's the best way to support a small business? It is to learn more about them and share with your family and friends. We interview founders from across the world who have started and scaled their business through the ups and downs, long hours, and the rewards that come from sacrificing their time to build their business. Welcome to First to Arrive, Last to Leave, the journey of an entrepreneur. All right, so welcome, Christina Rossini from R Squared Electric. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we had a uh, little crisis before you came because Courtney was texting someone else and they were saying they're not from the program and I thought she was talking to you. When we say the program, it's the 10K SB and I'm like, I swear to you, <laughs> she graduated. Like she came and spoke to us. Like either she's a good liar, she's put out a good friend, or she really is. But you did come. You are from the 10K SV program. Yeah, but I I was talking talking to Courtney earlier. I'm not even sure which cohort it was. I think it was 19, but it could have and been that was mine. Different. So tell us about ours because we were talking before we rolled because mm -hmm. we were like, I know this is family. Can you talk a little bit because you're not elect an electrician by nature. You're not. You don't have an electric background, but, and we're going to apologize. Like, I don't know if people are, they shouldn't be able to hear it, but it is like we are in the mess store, middle of a massive store. We've shut down <laughs> twice. So hopefully we get through this recording. Yeah. We'll see if I went against my better judgment and uh, left my house 30 minutes ago to come up here in the middle of a tornado watch. God's striking down on what you're saying. So we'll know if you're, but uh, can you talk about like where, where you came into this company? Cause you came in a little bit later, but tell the story of, of how and why you came in to, to help. Sure. Well, I, well, a bit of background. So um, Mark Register, my business partner, started the company in 2014. And it was totally his for the, for the first five years. I was, for all intents, totally out of the business. I wasn't related whatsoever to it. Um, and I was doing my own thing, uh, selling telecom business to business, sold enough to win the trip to Mexico every year. Um, so, you know, it was all good. But then I was really looking for an exit. And so I, uh, I exited in 2018, and I spent a year working full-time on a side project that had that I struck up while I was in telecom. It has nothing to do with telecom or electrical contracting whatsoever, but I was importing coffee from Mexico and a whole other story. But anyway, oh, cool. I worked. I did that full-time for a year, built that to a level. It didn't need my constant attention any longer, and so I had some extra time on my hands. And, uh, and at this point, uh, the R-squared Electric had kind of – it had been – through some peaks and valleys, and it was in a valley at this point. And Mark was actually working with one of his buddies in a different industry entirely. And I turned to him and I was like, I was like, well, I've got some extra time in my hands. Like, why don't we maybe we become business partners? Like, what if we did that? What would that look like? And I could help us grow um, our commercial footprint. And what if we just, you know, press the reset button on the company? And he was like, thought you never suggest it. That sounds great. Let's roll. So that was in uh, June of 2019. So talk awesome. about the valley they were in. Was it like, sorry, I mean, no, 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 but it's like, was it just they hadn't been market? Like what made him just be like, well, I don't really want to work. Was it just being tired of being in business, not scaled enough? Like what kind of value was happening that you were like, this has potential, mm -hmm. come back to it. And where he was like willing to come back to it. So... It had a ton of potential uh, because Mark. I'll take a. I'll take it even back further. Uh, I'll answer this question by way of a quick story. So, 
Mar- electrical contracting is Mark's second career. Um, he went into electrical trade school in his mid-30s, him and like all the 18-year-old kids in electrical trade school, like studying <laughs> to awesome. become a journeyman yeah. electrician. Um, he got hired as a $10 an hour day laborer at a big electrical contracting company. Um, and so they put him through trade school. He got his journeyman's. Um, he wanted to keep working on it, um, get additional licenses. He went two more years, got his master's electrical license. Well, if you're just working at a electrical contracting company, like you, there's really no merit like yeah. for you to have a master's license. Um, people that go and like open their own companies have to have a master's license in order to pull permits. That's the major benefit, one of them. So he really wanted to go hang a shingle. And so when he was, his crew was um, the crew on the Texas Instruments service account. He single-handedly built, like did electrical work for a Starbucks over at Maple Avenue in Inwood. Um, he was on the DISD school crew for several summers, like doing renovations and remodels for some schools in the area. So he was big contractor trained and he knew what the heck was he, what he was doing. Yeah. So he, he had the chops and the um, the acumen to to do his own thing. So so he did that. Um, the the challenge was for the first eighteen years or eighteen months of the business, the company R Squared Electric was the sole electrical contractor for a specific for one general contractor, and it was just a deluge of business. It was too much, too fast. We, the company did not have the systems in place to to be able to scale. I mean, it was you, you've heard of like scaling you know, growing internally Mm -hmm. and growing externally. This was 100% external growth and there was no processes in place. I mean, he went from like two got himself and one dude to a team of 15 working on 12 (laughs) construction projects in the first eight weeks of the company. Whoa. He ran the whole thing on a a $6,000 like Capital One venture card and there was no line of credit and it was a cash flow nightmare. And he didn't know what he didn't know in terms of running a business, right? He knew how to like run crews and and get work done, but didn't, you know, didn't come from an entrepreneurial family. Like he was kind of learning as he went. Anyway, so that was the first like hard and fast year and a half or so. It kind of, it went along like that. He started diversifying. He was like, I got to get away from this one GC. I got to get some revenue diversity. Um, Started doing some residential work, started doing other little commercial jobs, you know, with different clients Mm -hmm. and stuff. But it just wasn't specialized. It was just a whole lot of different stuff and just uh, and even way more chaos. Um, And it was just him. I mean, like he didn't have any admin support. Right. So and he was like, I just got to get the the heck away and like scale back in order to reclaim sanity. So um, and and be able to like reclaim cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. And get healthy. So um so he scaled way, way back. He always kept his license active. Um, but like, you know, I mean he wasn't even do actively doing any electrical work. Like I think he even put the insurance on hold. Wasn't wasn't actively selling the company or anything, any services. Um, and during that time, like he and one of his buddies were he was helping one of his friends um in the automotive industry doing like some back end data tech stuff and anyway and so it was but he wasn't thrilled with that he really he always had visions of getting back to r squared so so around that same time that's when my time was um intersecting with you know having mm-hmm. some more bandwidth and and so i was like what if let's go ahead and press the reset button shall we so we we went into business together and uh and my value proposition was i could bring the the back end admin support and i know sales i knew that i could very easily ramp up our company to have good revenue diversity and grow in the way that we wanted to grow, which is commercial construction and specifically interiors and tenant finish out. 
So that's what we're doing now. So we're thrilled that it took it took like three years, a little like almost three and a half years. But now we're finally we've eschewed all residential. We've eschewed the service. And now we're fully operating in our strengths and that of our crew members. We've got nine people in the company and all of our all of our field guys are all commercial construction guys. So we're we're glad that we're we're retooled and that's where we're staying. Okay, cool. Well, it looks like you really covered what some of your growing pains were. Um, were there any other obstacles more recently um, or prior to Goldman Sachs that um, brought you to the Goldman Sachs program? I'm a lifelong learner, and I just always love to be in a course of some kind. Yeah, so cool. I, uh, several friends had gone through Goldman Sachs, and I really was I was interested in learning how I could learn more about running a business. And I would say some of the some of the challenges were I just I would I would rather learn I'm great at following a recipe, but I felt like I was like writing the recipe. Yeah. You know, haphazardly like and I knew that it was I, I knew that there were holes that needed to get plugged. So I just was interested in and in going and learning more and just learning how to optimize the business. Did Mark Oh go ahead. No, it's okay. Did Mark do the program with you or Nope. Cool. Do you think that, because, you know, with Troy not going through it, um, I often think, my gosh, like he would have benefited from this. Just there's so much value in it. Do you think the same for Mark? Do you think that he would have benefited from being in it? Like mm, Benefited? Yes. Uh, it's all I've learned that it's it's all a matter of timing with Mark. It's like <laughs> it's, there's all yeah, we both want to implement so much. And but it's just a matter of like being able to focus on something for a few months to really see something through and to do it the right way. So um, I am, he's great at running the field and that's kind of our lane. So like I, I kind of go out to market and like hunt and find opportunities for us to grow internally and externally. And then like he manages service delivery. So those are kind of, those are kind of our lanes. So, uh, but also with, with EOS, I mean, we're starting to implement entrepreneur operating system and he, that's something that I had found years ago and kind of put on the shelf and was thought to myself, like, I'll just have to wait for Mark to be able to be in a position to implement that with us and to be aligned. Um, and then lo and behold, just recently, like a month, less than a month ago, he he got really fired. He kind of that entered his life. And so he's he's the one really running with um, planning EOS at our company now. It's really interesting. So are you saying mm-hmm. that like you, you almost have your own divisions and you're running your SOPs like completely different, but they intersect at some point? Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, and I want to go back to to that point of establishing those SOPs. So you you go to this company that's essentially, I don't want to call it dead, but it's dying. Mm-hmm. So like, where is your first course of action? You're quitting your corporate job. You're sitting here looking at this company. He, all right, you got to bring him back. What do you do for, like, where do you begin? Was it just, you know, helping with, you know, I know you said you helped with the admin side and the sales side, but... Do you just establish your what you're going to do sales wise? Do you help establish? I just love to kind of go back to that place of, here I am. Now what? Yep. So we, in our family and our business, we really try to start with first principles, like in anything. Um, and so the first principle of this was okay. We're just going to start doing electrical work and try to do the best job we can. And we're going to do it for anyone who wants to pay us to do it. That's where we're going to start. (laughs) And then we'll refine later. So that's what we did. Uh, So we – the first thing I can remember doing was – I mean, after, like, we we filed paperwork for ownership change. Like, we did the legal stuff um, kind of, like, in our soft launch. Like, we spent almost, like, the first – we spent the first six months, like, doing a whole bunch of, like – 
legal things, tax stuff, um, admin type work, you know, like, you know, Microsoft office, yeah. I mean, just basic stuff and doing and he, you know, he and um, and his son, Carrie, who works with us, who's worked with us f- almost full time since 2019 um, has like the two of them would go out and just do electrical work, like small commercial jobs, um, a lot of residential work, um, like friends and family. But then also we just started like getting the word out and people knew Mark from years ago, you know, would keep calling, would would keep calling him. So they, we kind of we've always just been word of mouth, really. Um, and then in uh, and then we. We were talking with another 10KSB alum, Julie Porter from Porch Marketing, um, went to her and she they did our website. And I remember sitting in, it was a Wednesday and Mark and Carrie and I were all in the front porch marketing office and um, and we wrote at that time a sizable check for like a 50% deposit on the whole website relaunch and redo and everything. That was a Wednesday afternoon, and we, we all like, committed to doing that. Like, yep, like we're gonna make this investment. Like, we have to. You know, there's no more kicking the can down the road. And then that Wednesday was um, stay-at-home orders went into effect. This was March of 2020, oh, and that uh, whole weekend we were just like, oh my god, can we get that check back? Should we keep the course? Do we not? What the hell is gonna happen? Right. And so, and we all just kind of ping pong back and forth. And it was Carrie who told who told us, no, we really need to stay the course here, like. This is what we're going to this is what we've all been talking about doing. And we just got to forge ahead and we were like, you know what? You're right. So luckily we did. So that was like the that was the big thing. And then um, during and well, to keep from rambling um, during COVID, probably the biggest thing, the biggest SOP that we did was we also invested and we made some nice like marketing um, collateral postcards mm-hmm. and we like hired a professional photographer to to like follow us around and like took um, like job site photos of like you know some people in the company and the trucks and stuff like that like we got some good photos done made some collateral and then Carrie and I single-handedly distributed door-to-door postcards over the next six months like wow. all during the beginning and like mid of 2020 um, and that activity like really launched, like relaunched the company for the next couple of years. And so I started my pet, my husband, my ex-husband and I, our first company, we walked flyers in a neighbor, like neighborhoods. We did it ourselves and yeah. It Is that how you met or that's no. what you're doing for the God, company no, that you unfortunately. were No, it was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but uh, no, we, that we'd met before, but that was like, we started this business. I'm like, how do we begin? And it was like, walk, like it's old school. A yes. lot of people think you have to do all this stuff, but it was total old school, like walked fires in a neighborhood. Old yeah. school stuff works. Yeah. I mean, that's how I, like, that's how I, I got my start in telecom sales. I was in yeah. business to business telecom sales working for a company that was a competitor to like AT&T and Verizon. And I was responsible for, I had to hit 50 doors a day. And the the saying was like every door, every floor. I learned territory management. Would just go in, walk, knock on knock on doors. I even I even sold a deal to some company out in Garland, like on a cold call, like that morning. Like I, <laughs> I knocked on their door and like pitched them, and ended up signing. Like within two hours, it was done. Like that never happens. Like yeah. it's so rare. But anyway, it's just what you do. You know, you learn how to get fearless, and like you just learn how to take rejection. It's like what's the worst going to happen? Well, and what's interesting too about doing during COVID is you have. You're outside, mm-hmm. and so and everybody's home. So now they're seeing your face on your marketing collateral. Mm-hmm. They're seeing your face on on your website, and you're the one handing the stuff out. Yeah. I mean, that, if that's true to form 
customer service. They know who they're talking to. They know who they're going to be working with. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And we were all about being hyper local. And at that point, this company was super small. I mean, I think we had like three, maybe four people at that time. So we were we were really playing up. I mean, we're still small. We've got nine people now. But at that point, we were like really playing up like family owned and operated, woman owned, like local, homegrown. And um, so Mark and I live in Oak Cliff, North Oak Cliff. And we intentionally like we wrote like Oak Cliff based business on the postcards and like had our our photo on it and we were distributing it in North Oak Cliff like in you know in our in the neighborhoods and Kessler Park and Stevens Park and things and we got a ton of business that way yeah. so what's been interesting though is like that that kind of grew the relaunch of the business but now as I mentioned earlier we've totally yeah so closed talk down about that shift where you go from okay we're gonna take small jobs any job <laughs> Any, right. any money's great money at this point, but now you're getting yep. to the point where no, not all money's good money. So what happens in that shift mm-hmm. of making it? And then what did, did you have to sacrifice anything in the business to make that shift happen? Sanity, lack of <laughs> trust, <laughs> lots of chaos. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, this was a classic example of making a good, you know, a strategic business decision. Right. Because, as you said, like not all revenue is created mm-hmm. equal. And we just we. We came to understand that even though we're good at doing electrical work, like even not electrical work is created equal, like residential versus commercial, for instance, like you need to have a different kind of vehicle outfitted a different way. Like you need to have a box truck like with a, you know, with a cadre of specific inventory to do like service work, you know, residential service work, for instance, versus and we were doing we started we got into generators um, really really hot and heavy, um, especially right on the heels of the big snowstorm of 2021. Um, and so like to, like outfitting like a generator truck is one thing and versus like commercial construction is like you don't we don't even need a whole bunch of vehicles that we have now. Like we're actually I'm looking to divest like maybe even half our fleet because we just flat out we're kind of over vehicle at this point. And, wow. But like you don't you know, you can just get away with like a pickup truck, just, you know, taking your superintendent to the job site and you really don't even need a whole lot of inventory because it gets delivered to the job site. So it's like you go from like having like a little rolling profit center, you know, a little inventory box on wheels to don't even need inventory at all on this pickup truck. You just because it's all either at the shop or at the job site. So just kind of so you build your company different ways based on how you're going to what you're going to be servicing, who your client is. So coming to the realization that, okay, we any any revenue is, is good revenue right now, a business that just pressed the reset button in 2020. So we're just going to do what we, you know, what, what's put in front of us and learn our best competencies. And at the end of 2020, we had sold our first generator. Uh, we became a Generac Power Systems authorized dealer and authorized installer. And we, we had one client, um, a uh, residential client bought a generator from us and we installed it. That was in December of 2020. Um, that one sale get us, got us dealer status and got us on the Generac um, website, the distributor website, right? So we started getting a lot of calls, especially during the snowstorm. We yeah. got inundated with calls. Unfortunately, we didn't have any generators in stock. I mean, we put in a, a huge yeah. order for them that week, but you know, then it was it went from a two week lead time, by the way, and then mid twenty twenty one on the heels of the snowstorm, and of course, like delayed supply chain challenges with like the chips being manufactured in Asia, getting to Wisconsin for um, for assembly at the Generac uh, warehouse. That like those two factors tacked on like it went from two weeks lead time to eight or nine months. Whoa! Whoa. Like we are we're just get, getting a generator delivered early next week that we ordered nearly a year ago. 
Wow. So luckily, a lot of that has since like ironed out, but there was just a big backlog of people waiting for their stuff. But point being is that we got into generators and like we we kind of we learned that we were figuring, OK, we're going to ride this wave. Well, you know, we and Mark is thinking he's he's thinking big and his eyes are getting big and like thinking about power distribution and maybe even getting into solar and all kinds of stuff. And um, and we, we rode that wave for a good year and a half. And but then we realized, you know, we our guy our, our guys are really good commercial construction guys and there's just like a different bedside manner with residential it is a whole other animal it's oh yeah it's way more yeah. emotional also yeah. to deal with homeowners and like we we want to bring value and bring good solutions um we want to solve your problems but you know we also know our limitations and it's like okay we're we're really just we're our our operation is just better built and better suited for and you know our whole team has hired construction commercial construction yeah um so we we decided to to make that pivot just earlier this this year. We were like, you know, we we got to start the off ramp for residential and service, um, and really start focusing on where where we're best at. Um, and interestingly, we we sense we had one client that was the lion's share of our revenue for twenty twenty one and like the first I'd say the first quarter of this year. And we decided at the close of the first quarter of this year to start the off-ramp process with that client. Um, even though it was a lot of revenue and it was great cash flow, it was also the source of probably 90% of the chaos in our company. Oh. And it was a, a gargantuan strain administratively. There were so many invisible costs mm. with that we just couldn't bill for and project management costs associated with it. And so um, even though it was a bit scary and we probably should have, we probably delayed it longer than we should have, uh, you know, grateful for the the experience and the cash flow of course but then also we, re we learned a lesson in just when when you're starting to have doubts that's the time that you gotta you gotta start to leave yeah i'm i'm curious how um just to go back to what you're saying about during that delay of time when you were waiting for a product to get in what were some of the things maybe tools that you implemented to manage expectations for those customers who were expecting it maybe in a certain amount of time the good thing was everyone knew it, it immediately was going to the lead times went through the through the roof. I mean, it, we 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 just started. We 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 always were in good communication with Generac, right? And and we saw that it was going to be like four or five, six months for delivery, and we would just tell people that. And, and honestly, people people got it. Yeah, people got good. it. I think that one of the biggest blessings that we all were given from COVID was like I think we all got a lot more patient, yeah. and people just understood yeah it is what it is yeah that's yeah, true we know. start talking well and yeah. like the average person starts talking about supply chain when all those things yeah. started to happen you know yeah. when they're getting worried about christmas they were they were aware of the lingo and the stuff that we talk about as you know being associated with manufacturing or buying from manufacturers so right there were there was a shift in attitude but i'm i'm always curious because you know some people even in building you're waiting for a great deal of time and you actually your po your project is completely paused or as, as a hard stop yeah. and did that that didn't happen to you guys you were able to say hey like this is just what the time frame is because mm -hmm. you were aware of of the time frame prior to them placing orders yeah and luckily it, luckily when the construction industry was really getting squeezed with substantial supply chain issues like on breakers and panels and things that was not the bulk of our business we were really doing a lot of generators back then and um, or at that time and we didn't have any we were able to get material just fine I mean knock on wood so it really I think that really affected a lot more of tr other trades perhaps and other um, other electrical contractors that were yeah. that were using those and doing that 
doing that line of work that was um, that required that other commercial work. But we were we were lucky that we were able to get what we needed without much. Are you delay. doing generators just for commercial or generators for residential too? The bulk of our work was residential generators. Okay. Now um, we were we're still Generac power systems authorized dealer installer and now a service technician house. So um, I'm I, we're still open like we're we're doing commercial generators. Um, I'm strategically I'm wondering if we're going to be renewing those licenses. I haven't really we really? Haven't, we haven't decided. Again, it's it is a it's a whole different skill set. And like I I don't want to specialize too much to yeah. say no to opportunity, but I'm also perhaps I'm a bit gun shy that I also I realize that the riches are in the niches and I don't want to do too much of different things if we can really go deep in our competency, our core core competency of commercial construction. So this is a good like a would be so interested in your thought process on this because you are kind of in a in a series. It's a, you've built out the residential, right? So you've got that line. I I completely see where you're coming from on the niches part, like riches in the niches. Like let's keep specialized. But now, okay, so you've got this division that you've got the residential kind of running itself, maybe a little bit. I know you said it's like a different type of person, but had you kept it right, and now the generator side, like, and it's a, it's all it becomes a good question of. Do you start to really expand and try to go against the big boys, right, that can do all the things? Mm -hmm. Like now you're at this point where maybe we we could go and now we've got this lining and it's kind of running itself where we can go residential. And now it's kind of running itself where we could just go with the and then we still have the commercial division. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting dynamic of being of saying, let's go big or let's keep niching down. Mm -hmm. I'd love to know like what you're what your thought process is on the like the continuing to niche down versus yeah let's build three divisions and let's blow this puppy out of the water mm -hmm. so <laughs> if mark was in this seat he would be uh he would be so excited and talking telling you about all his ideas of divisions <laughs> for opening up a r squared power systems division yeah. with just generators which we've talked about yeah um it, there's a lot of merit to that and and i'm we're, we're not closed off from that but yeah. i think that even just like from a P&L perspective, like there, there was so much the the generator business was a drastically different prof, pro, um, profit margin from our other work that it was like it was hard to even make comparisons and, and like make, and do financial analysis on our P&L because it was like we were selling two totally different things. Yeah. So and and that would potentially be the merit of going having a new business is just like clean set of books like this is this is all generator pnl separate from the construction pnl and uh we can we can um make inferences and we can just kind of run it, it really it really lends itself to being two separate companies yeah we may end up doing that mark really wants to he thinks and he's he is our a1 perfect visionary he's he's great and i'm kind of like the the integrator i kind of i almost liken it to like He's the tornado going down the street, and I'm like running after him with like a pail and dustpan, <laughs> like cleaning up the mess. But and like and, and also like yeah. helping make it happen, you know, yeah. because he's got so many great ideas. But anyway, that's that's probably what would end up happening if we were to pick up generators again um, in a bigger way. It'd probably be in a different division, and we know that it's got lasting power. I mean, we were so our 
part of the reason we grew so much was we got subcontracted by a company called Cantor Power Systems, which is Generac's largest residential dealer in the country. And they're like Generac's largest like power pro premier, you know, diamond uh, dealer. And they're also Home Depot's third party generator sales and service oh. partner. And when we got on board with them, they were like in, I don't know, 11, 12 states. And then they brought on Texas on the heels of the snowstorm. And they and they went scurrying for subcontractors to fulfill the work because their model is they hire uh, plumbing and electrical subcontracting in these, in these remote states to go fulfill the work yeah. right, that they sell. And then we also do service and maintenance on the back end. So there's like three different um, revenue streams with that. And we did a ton of work with them and there was zero marketing needed whatsoever. Yeah. Like they are the sales company and then they hire us. And so like like we invoice them and Home Depot loves them. And so they do a really good job. So Home Depot brought them into like since we were there, um, they, they entered into New Orleans, Louisiana and perhaps even other states after that. So they were blowing and going like crazy. And in fact, they just um, sold a private equity company like just in like the last 30 days or so. So all that to say is that there's still lots of money to be made in power distribution and in residential generators. Um, so we, all that to say is that we know that there's promise and there's lasting power there um, and it's not going away especially as you know with living in the uncertainty that we do people always want to maintain control of their lives so um we know that the, the the business plan is there the market research has been done you know we've tried it we you know we tried we stumbled a bit we we know what mistakes we made and how to improve it next time so we're i feel like it would be a much easier go and perhaps less uh less chaos and less stress uh, if we just decided to strike it up again later what a good problem to have. I mean, I know it's stressful, like no matter which way you look at it, but it's just so interesting to me. Yeah. The decisions, because, yeah, it's like, okay, do we need more money? Do we need investors to make that? You know, all mm -hmm. those things where it may seem like. It, I just had a, a client say this the other day. It's like a lot of people want to 10x their business, but they really have no idea what uh -huh. it takes to actually make that 10x happen. Mm -hmm. It's not just a matter of getting to your point of what your the business first was. Yeah, you can get 10x clients. <laughs> That's great. But if you don't have the 10x behind the scenes to yes. make that happen, or if 10x is causing more chaos and stress, is it what's worth it? Maybe it's worth 5x. And that's you're good at 5x. <laughs> yeah. So we had obviously the pleasure of having um, coffee this week. Uh, and that was one of the things that we talked about was just like, are you can are you super excited to be like a $500,000 business? Or do you want to be a $10 million business? And is it totally okay to be at 2 million and be like, I'm capped. Uh, and where, yeah. you know, what, what you want to manage because more money equals more employees, more, um, supplies, uh, more hours that gets put into it. Yeah. And ultimately we're, you know, being the founders, we're, we're ultimately responsible for that. So if those employees don't show up, who's showing up? It's us. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds glamorous that you have a $10 million business, but that doesn't always equal that you are like living the life of love luxury that could not equal out, you know, in your, yeah. your balance sheets and stuff. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and like, it's way sexier to be to and like way better for your ego to be like at a cocktail party and catching up with friends like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we $10 million this year, but or even 20 or whatever. But Okay, that's revenue, but like, how much did you spend? Yes. Exactly. What did it cost you? Did you keep any of that money? Exactly. Because yeah. uh, I know what it feels like to make a lot of money and not keep it. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a difference between growing, growing at all costs and growing profitably. And I am, I, I've been, I've been, the last couple years have been a big lesson in humility and mm-hmm. like letting go of ego in terms of running this business. I do not need, I, I would, I do not need to have, um, a, a bunch of zeros behind the numbers if uh, if it's not profitable. I mean, I'd much rather I'd much rather keep it lean and smaller yep. and uh, and have really fat, healthy profit margin. Right, and a weekend yeah. maybe. Yeah, no, I mean to yourself or you know. Uh, yeah, I told my husband like my my goal is five vacations a year, and he's like, what? and I'm like, no, we're gonna go five vacations a year. That's what I want my. And if it means I don't make as much money to not have to yes. be married to the business. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's what my gold standard is. Five vacations a year with the kids while they're young. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be married to something if it, I'm okay with that. But I think you have to be on the other side of it for a hot minute before you're like, this isn't worth it. I don't think that, do you, right, you, would right, you say right, that, right. that that didn't just come to you? No, that was building and selling businesses that I lost right. marriages over and lost lives over. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Like lost five years of my life to build. And now yeah. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. But I'm that's okay. an interesting topic that we we should talk about more here because I think there is a gross mistake in what success is because of social media and because of what we're being told via media mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. oh it needs you need to be a 10x business right. and like run as fast as you can it doesn't always that's like a slim percent that actually get there there's luck and a, a lot of hard work, lot of hard work yeah. uh, but it doesn't that shouldn't equal success right. you know it should it's having yeah. that time with your family yeah. being able to go on a hike you know those things that we forget about during the process because we just want to be we just want to go as fast as we can yeah yeah how do you guys balance it all being a family business? Like, what do you, how do you, how does that look like at home where you shut it down? I hate yeah. the balance question. I won't ask it to you because you're a woman because I just want to puke every time somebody asks that. <laughs> yeah. But it's not really about balance, but just even being able to maintain like the shutdown yeah. and it's management, kinda, right? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you specifically some things, some tools and tricks that we use in our household. Um, number one, we have a safe word. Uh, if we're <laughs> Sasquatch is yeah. what what Mark and I say if um, if one of us is talking about something or if we're getting if it's getting too heated or if it's like 930 at night and he just wants to zen out and like scroll Twitter before going to bed and I just come in talking about our commercial real estate lease and like asking about uh, so-and-so's raise or whatever and he, he, you know we'll, each of us say Sasquatch a couple times a week um, so we have that and it's a it is like if one of us says that then the other person just shuts up right then and there and just like yeah. pick it up later um and we were we don't have any we tr- we tr- okay we tried to set up a we tried to have like a curfew basically about work conversations at, at home and that was unsustainable so that's a trick that we tried <laughs> and we realized yeah. we just we kept failing at it but sasquatch works honestly it sounds really silly but like it really does work and we respect it um and we oh additionally we worked on creating some internal processes last year i I hired in an external coo um to uh to help kind of scale us a little bit to a certain point by the way beyond the chaos is the company we used and they're fantastic so yeah she's there the company's whole is totally wonderful um i worked with her directly for about five months and she was great 
Anyway, um, she helped us get onto some communication channels that were um, kind of helped us create some good healthy habits in terms of like having a work non-work balance life, mm-hmm. not balance, but mm-hmm. life. Um, so another tip trick is uh, we use Microsoft Teams for all work conversations and we use like we don't we seriously cut down on our phone calls and like text messaging. Mm. Um, so just to have like to to like push all the work stuff to the work channel. Yep. was huge and like i don't have to like i'm not beholden to i can kind of prioritize what how i'm going to respond and things you know and it's like you know a team message is, is urgent a phone call is urgent email not as urgent yeah. right we also started um implementing just some like some workflow management like we're on a sauna now yeah, okay um so we use a sauna with task management you know and deadlines and things so like that just kind of helped put some structure around um, some spru- you know, structure in here, boundaries, just surrounding workflow and things and communication. I love it. Yeah, that's. I like the the safe word. That's really <laughs> I know. smart, especially. I mean, we try to have work life balance, but inevitably, there's always some phone call, right? And you're like, okay, well, the customer needs you yeah. at this very moment. Now I have a hard time putting my phone down for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's, uh, another th- another thing worth mentioning. Um, you, I first thought about it when you said a f- couple minutes ago about social media and people mm-hmm. just kind of like leveling up and showing up and like not even showing your authentic self a whole lot of time. Uh, I deleted Facebook from my phone in January. Yeah, yes. I haven't missed it a bit. Yeah, I've maybe popped on like three or four times and really it was just to like sell or buy something on Facebook marketplace I wish marketplace <laughs> was just its own standalone app I would use that a whole lot more but anyway um so that's removing distractions in life but also um it, I've kind of been this crusade this whole year I've been reading a lot about the stoics and like stoic philosophy all about um like ego is the enemy yeah. and you know self-control and like you know wisdom and temperance and um you know better to to understand than be understood and just like there's a whole bunch of like since there's a whole bunch of like teachings from the catholic saints that are in stoic philosophy and like you know other other schools of thought which is interesting yeah but anyway point being is that i'm really trying i'm working on a whole lot of like accepting life on life's terms and not being so wrapped around the axles. Yeah. And um, part of, in so doing, part of that is I go on a silent, a three-day women's silent retreat Ooh. every six months. That's another tip in terms of removing distraction from life. We got to find out where you're going. I, I really wanted to try one of really, those. Really? I would be kicked out. No, no, no. It's not that hard. In. It is so not hard. To I be promise quiet? You. Yes. Oh, I have an extremely hard time being quiet. Because my brain yeah. is constant. I just, because... It, I want to tell you something that's in my head. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, and this thing, and that maybe it's something that you could do. I, I don't know if I could sit. So you did tell me to sit quietly for two minutes. Uh-huh. I laid on my back with my feet up, which is a normal thing. And I could, I was like, this isn't going to be today. It's not going to be today. There'll have to be another day to try it. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, where's this, where's this retreat? I'm very curious. Montserrat Retreat House. On Lake Louisville, of all places. Oh. It's a retreat house that's been there since the 50s or 60s. It's on 40 protected gated acres on this little quiet cove of Lake Louisville. It's nowhere near Party Cove. It's like you would never even, you could, even if you've been going to Lake Louisville your whole life, like you could have <laughs> maybe like never even been to this little area. But it's um, it's a Jesuit retreat house, but they open it up oh. and they have retreats. <sighs> Several retreats monthly. They do all women's and um, and men's and even AA retreats and retreats in Spanish, et cetera. Um, and so they do one – like they do this once or twice a month where it's a women's three-day retreat. You show up Thursday afternoon at like 4 or 5 and uh, and have like a really nice dinner. They serve wine at dinner, by the way, and they have really good food. And so it's Thursday evening until Sunday at noon. 
and you basically and dinner like the, the Thursday night dinner is totally is like everyone's talking to each other I just got back from my retreat two weeks ago and there were 60 women on it usually wow. I go and there's like 40 so it was really it was a full house they had a waiting list um, so like dinner everyone's talking and chit chatting and then you go to what they call a prayer conference but it's really just like a it's, it's, a, it's a talk right and so um, one of the priests leads it he's the retreat director and um, it'll have a theme like this theme of the last retreat was about the spiritual exercises, right, which is basically like contemplative prayer, just kind of like doing a review of your day, kind of like taking a, a daily inventory and like, you know, giving gratitude for the good and like reflecting on what could have gone better and like resolving to work on character defects and like um, to be better tomorrow is really all it is. Um, and thank you, God, for all of it, you know. So um it's just like a, talk, a spiritual talk and then like we're just quiet from there and like we're listening to the the priest give these talks and there's like nine talks over the three days and it's basically the like the schedule is like wake up like little little prayer service like breakfast talk like and then we're adjourned to like go you know go relax and like read or you know pray or listen write whatever take a nap whatever and then like we basically just do like a, a talk and like some private quiet I say quiet time but like it's all quiet like some private quiet time like you know <laughs> at, at looking at the docks and the water or like you know in the cafeteria or you know the library or whatever um and then like it's just they feed us really well and there's like there's stuff to do like there's you can read write you know yeah. it's, but it's really just a bunch of interior work and even though we don't speak like we're still we're listening like there's noises and stuff and, like we're listening to these talks and things did it take practice like mm -hmm. to get I'm just so that's Absolutely fascinating to me. Because mm. just thinking about being silent and not being able to say something is, you can see that is clearly making me a giggle. And I don't know if that's like, maybe that comes from an uncomfortable place, but like, that's, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I need to find the book. I just read it. I know. He did a 10 day silent retreat. Who is this? It was a guy. He's a reporter. I got to find it. It's like 10 something, 10% 10 more happiness or something like that was the book. He was a, oh yeah, 10% happier. Yes. Mm -hmm. So he's got a podcast and everything, but that's where he's, he was a, um, anchor person on good morning america and then like started but it was a 10-day silent retreat okay i've heard about this guy yeah okay i gotta find the title tim ferris uh did a i think he did a 30-day silent retreat and it was okay, totally silent and he I, he also fasted during it what? I, I think it was and maybe it was just three weeks but anyway it was like it was so substantial it was substantial yeah. but yeah like he fasted shit now i'm starting to second guess myself he was he did a silent retreat and he fasted i don't recall exactly how long it was it doesn't really matter but the point is, is it was substantial enough to where he was on he was a guest on someone's podcast like very shortly after he got back from the retreat i mean within the first 72 hours and he was talking about like it's like it, it messed with his mind that the fasting and the quiet really like you kind of enter into a very different space and he was struggling with it specifically with like the the lack of like the fasting and like the lack of stimulation interesting well yeah. we're i mean we're constantly stimulated yeah. so to, to not all of a sudden that to be shut off i can't yeah I mean, it sounds thrilling for a little bit of time but i'm i might be like oh my gosh i want to call my dad or want to see what my friend's doing like i don't yeah. know how I'm, like this is fascinating me right now i'm sorry you no, might also <laughs> just want more silence Oh, that could yeah, be it too. Yeah, it sounds like great, like just writing and reading for three days without saying anything sounds nice. Mm -hmm. But I can be introverted too. But should we go to, you want to start with yeah. <laughs> rapid fire? Because I know sure. we're getting out of time here. Uh, so what's your favorite beverage? Ranch water. Any particular brand? 
one that has tequila in it. No, I, <laughs> I, I make my own. Like I don't. I'm not a big fan of the canned ones, but um, just a good a good tequila. Um, I'm I'm not picky. I'm a simple girl. I'll just Luna Azul for like twenty nine dollars for a massive handle is totally fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever been given? The most important thing you have is your word. Mm, I like that one. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, dinner with anyone. Ryan Holiday. He's an author. So, yeah. Yeah. He's a, I've mentioned, I'm writing, reading a lot about the Stoics. He's, he's probably the most prolific writer of Stoicism right now who's living. And he's just down the street in Austin. So yeah. I was just sitting in a podcast with him, with him and Ed Milet. And who? My, Ed Milet. Have you heard of him? Uh-uh. He's got a great podcast. But What's he just had topic? Ryan Holiday. He's very um, uh, motivational. I just saw him speak at Funnel Hacking Live. He was amazing, amazing, amazing. He does his speech on his podcast too, but it was really good. He's really good. His book is, uh, his latest book is, my God, my brain doesn't work, but it's One More, The Power of One More. Okay. Ed Milat. Very good book. Cool. So, but yeah, he just had Ryan Holiday. I love Ryan Holiday too. And I want to study more of stoicism. So... I can be up and down, up and down. Aren't we <laughs> all world? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or is it sort of verse? So what's your morning routine? Wake up at 5.30. I go to the gym. I do I do weightlifting from five to, from 6 to 7. And um, have a little something to eat immediately before workout, immediately after. Um, come home, feed the dogs, um, have quiet time, make a cup of tea, put away the dishes from the night before, um, prayer and meditation. And then uh, start start the day. Awesome. And what are you currently reading? Um, I'm I'm in the midst of reading the Mindful Catholic, and um, I think that's the only book that I'm get, that I'm in the midst of right now. I would like to, and I should be starting. Um, I've got a book by Thomas Merton that's also on my uh, nightstand that I've been trying to get started and get into this week, but it hasn't happened yet, but perhaps perhaps this weekend. And I know you're an avid traveler, but what's like a top bucket list item? Iceland. Mm, mine too. Love to go to I would totally go in the summer or in the winter. I want to do the northern. I want to like sleep under the northern lights. Yeah. Though. yeah. I think I'm kind of more inclined to want to go in the winter too, yeah. to go hike on glaciers. Yeah, and be and then go to like the Blue Lagoon when it's cold outside, yeah. and like have all the steam come up from the get water. the good Insta shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my favorite is going to national parks and seeing the Insta shots. I'm like, oh, have you seen the anyway, videos where so people awkward. are like, what it? Yeah. Here's the shot, and then here's what it looks like, and everybody's yeah. like in line. Yeah, uh, and then your guilty pleasure, a guilty pleasure. Oh gosh. Um, like stretching out my my like morning prayer reading time like i'll stretch that out kind of long if i if i didn't have any obligations like i would totally do that for like two hours like just kind of ease into reading so i'm like i'm working on not being gluttonous with my time honestly i love that hanging out and just taking time doing whatever the hell i want i like it that should be everybody's goal i know well, it's that's isn't that why we become entrepreneurs is for time freedom? <laughs> Allegedly, that's, that's the theory. <laughs> I'm like, I keep I preach that all the time. Yeah. I'm like, I've got time, I've got time, and then I'm like, why do I have no time? Yeah, how it started, how it's going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Christina, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been awesome. This I appreciate you 
riding riding the storm out. Yeah, this <laughs> is fine. Thanks. Hope we all make it home. Yeah, but thank you so much.